the noise. Woo! Thanks, guys. Woo! Good job. Um, FYI, I just broke this, if anybody saw. Okay, good. Um, hey, you know what's really fun? This is random, too, but you know when you, like, are reading the Bible and you're like, oh, I've heard this before because I sing it, but I didn't even know it was in the Bible. Like, probably that's a good thing that it was in there, but that no weapon formed against me part, I was just reading in Isaiah 54, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fun, and I got really excited, so I thought I'd share, because it's actually in the Bible. Um, anyways, good job. Um, we are, I'm Kirsten, and I work here at the house, and this semester we are going through a sermon series on the kingdom of God, and we are using parables to talk about what the kingdom looks like, what the king of the kingdom looks like, and how we interact with it. Um, and today, our, tonight, our parable is about a treasure. And so, of course, for me, my head goes to, okay, when have I found a treasure? And, and I haven't ever really found a treasure, but I realize that I really like to hide treasures for people. Um, like, if you've ever left, like, a notebook out at the hub or, like, a calendar, you might have received some, like, fun little notes from me in it to find later. Or, <laughs> I don't know who's been grocery shopping with me, but, like, my favorite game to play is, <laughs> like, you're pushing the cart, and then I sneak and I find something super fun, like, like, tuna fish or something that people think is gross, like a giant thing of, like, pig's feet or whatever, and I hide it in the cart, and then my goal is that the person gets up to the stand at Walmart and is picking it out. It's like, oh my gosh, how'd this come in? <laughs> but my, pro- my problem is I usually don't get to that point because I'm, like, either giggling and, like, hee, 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 or, or, or they're, like, holding one of the, like, the shopping cart things, and then obviously you feel when I put something in the cart and it doesn't work. Um, but I like, even when I'm nannying, I like to, like, play hide-and-go-seek with, like, kids and be like, I'm going to hide this thing. And then they have to h- run and find it, and especially with boys. Like, it'll take them hours to try to find it because they have to find it, and so it gives us something to do for a while. Um, the best hide-and-go-seek game I played was last, I think it was last March, um, I had a friend whose mom called and was like, hey, can you put some balloons in his room for his birthday? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I can put some balloons and I can do lots of other things, too. Um, so the best thing that I did there was I got these, you know, like the Easter eggs, like the plastic ones, and I put, like, little notes inside, like, you're nice. All of those, and I hid them all over the house. And I just got a text over Christmas that they found one, like, in a jacket pocket that they hadn't checked. And so it was like, yay, look, fun treasure in our jackets. Um... But, like, seriously, that kind of emotion and that, like, excitement about this treasure is what I think about when I do read this parable of these guys finding a treasure. Um, We're actually reading two parables. They're called twin parables because they're two stories about the same thing, just two different guys um, interacting in that kind of same, like, here's what the point of the story is. Um, And just, like, regular life as well, we need to pay attention when things are repeated. And so when Jesus repeats things, especially twice in a row, we really need to pay attention to what he is saying. So we're supposed to pay attention. Um, can you put the scripture up on the screen? We are talking through Matthew 13 again. Um, it's a little bit later on in 44. Um, but it says, The kingdom of heaven 
is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man finds and covers up. And in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And upon finding the one pearl of great value, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. So we're going to walk through this passage tonight and kind of pick out parts that, that show us what the kingdom looks like. And for me, maybe because I'm thinking about treasures, I'm kind of like, okay, this is like our treasure map, our hunt to figure out what it's like. So we're going to kind of go through it like that. Um, but before we do, let's pray. Um, God, thank you for um, giving us stories. Um, I really like them. Um, I pray that we learn about you um, and about what you desire for us tonight. Um, Thanks for giving this to us. pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man finds. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, and when he finds a pearl of great value. The first thing we can notice about it is that the kingdom of heaven can be found, which is awesome, right? It's not just something that's never to be found, whatever, but we can find it. And both of these guys find it in different ways. The first guy is probably poor. I mean, he's working in somebody else's field, so he might be planting or reaping or whatever that is he does, maybe mowing. I don't think they had lawn mowers, but I don't know how you mow with a goat or something, like, in this field. Um, but he's just doing, like, every, everyday life stuff. And in the midst of his everyday, the treasure is there. He sees something sparkly. He sees it. In the dirt of his daily life, the treasure is found. And then the other guy is searching for it. He knows what a pearl looks like. Back in the day, pearls were kind of like diamonds, like in their, you know, fanciness or whatever. Um, and so he probably, he knew the size and the cut and the, all the stuff you're supposed to know about a pearl. He knew it. And he was looking and looking and looking, and he found it. And we see all of our scripture, this concept, when we look at it, I mean, knock and the door will be open, seek and you will find So our first clue is that the kingdom of heaven can be found. Second, we continue on. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man finds and covers up, and then in his joy sells all that he has. We see that the kingdom of heaven is valuable. It says that the merchant finds a pearl of great value. It's more valuable than all other pearls. Even the fact that he uses the word pearl and treasure is a huge sign that it has value. For me, the, the word treasure, I mean, I think of pirates and all of that. Like, their, their whole life is revolved around finding this treasure. But my, like, real connotation for it is um, my dad used to call my brother and I his, like, little treasures. Um, And so when I think of that word, I think of something that's really precious and dear, which to me means very high, high value. 
in fact, in these stories, it says that it is worth all that they had, everything, with how much it cost. So the second thing we find after we find that the kingdom can be found is we find that the kingdom is a very high value. Then it goes on, and they say that these guys sell everything that they have to buy the field, to buy the pearl. So what they're saying here is that it's worth it. It was worth the cost of the price. I, I mean, I think we do this kind of like, is it worth the price? Kind of a lot in our life. If it's, if it's shopping, um, I went to the outlets this weekend with some girls, and it was like, okay, is it worth $5? I don't know. Like, oh, if it was $10, I'd get it, but not if it's 11 And you're always kind of comparing and saying, is it, is it worth this? Or in relationships we do that, is he worth this much time, this much energy? We do it with working out, like, oh, do I want to work out? Is it worth being sore tomorrow? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> well, tonight, in like the barter bargain night, you're going to be doing that the whole time. If you're bringing your stuff there, you'll have a lamp, and you have to decide if the lamp is worth two CDs or three CDs from that other person. But we're doing that, and these guys in the parable are saying, heck, yes, it is worth it. I'm going to, of course, sell everything I have. Which is crazy, because when we read the parable, probably our first instinct is to say, oh my gosh, they sold everything? Like, what a big sacrifice to make. But they're not talking about this sacrifice at all. All it's saying is, in his joy, in his delight, he's selling it. Because they see the worth of it. They're like, we're getting a good deal here. It's like a good business trade. Like, if I were to say, hey, I will trade you that piece of paper you have for this brand new car. You're like, well, of course I'll trade. Yes. Or like a more tangible example is if I were to say, okay, I have this huge house. And the house has, like, these awesome, like, porch swing beds that are on Pinterest these days, and um, like hammocks and cozy beds and kitchens and all this stuff. I'll trade you this if, for your dorm room. Of course you're going to move out of your dorm room into this beautiful, wonderful house. It makes sense, right? So to them, it's not this big sacrifice because they, they're expressing this joy in selling all of it. And this joy is something that is way different than just like pleasure and feeling good about something and it all makes me feel good for a minute. But it's this thing that reminds us, that draws us to something bigger than us, to something that's coming, something that was. C.S. Lewis, um, in his like, book, The Last Battle, makes this comment that I loved um, about Eustace. He says, but he had no time to wonder about that sort of thing. And anyway, it was none of his business. For a great joy put everything else out of his head. That joy puts everything else out of our heads. And that's what those guys were experiencing. They had this joy because they knew the worth of their treasure, so it put everything else out of their head. Some of us were talking in the office about this and how fun it would be to have this like garage sale for Jesus and like 
you were just so excited. You're like, yeah, here, take this, take this. Here, have this. It'd be like opposite of quarters where they're trying to like take it back to themselves. But we recognize that the kingdom of God is worth the price. And then it goes on. They sell all their things and they buy the treasure. So the kingdom of God can be found. It's of high value. It's worth the cost. And we can have it. We can have it be our life. These guys had nothing left. They sold everything for the treasure, for the pearl. That was their life. They reigned in it. And that is for us too. Romans 8 says that we are children of God, and not only children, but heirs. Heirs of God. Therefore, co-heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. So this kingdom can be ours to live in and have it be our life. And not only that, but we have power to reign in it. And, and I hate, I, I don't know why, but I hate the word princess. I don't, I'm sorry if you like it. But that's the only kind of like power structure I can think of is that we're not the king of it. But if we sell all of our things and, and are in this kingdom, we can reign as princes and princesses in this kingdom. It's crazy. But it is necessary for us to sell these things. The joy compels us to sell, but we have to do it. It's kind of like that house dorm example. Like, if I had gave you this house, you, you, have, you have the house, sure. Like, you found the treasure. But it's not really yours unless you move into it. It's not really yours unless you, like, actually decorate it and your mail is sent there and you throw parties there and whatever that may be. Then it is yours. Just like the kingdom. It can be yours. You can live out of it just like these people in the parable did. All these things, it can be found. It is of high worth. It's worth it. It can be ours. As I'm thinking about all of it, all I can do is think about Jesus, which makes sense because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. So, of course, all of the things in this kingdom are going to look like him. When we think of a kingdom, I mean, it actually is like this place that is being reigned by somebody and the rules and the structure and how it looks and all that kind of stuff like is going to represent that person. And so we find Jesus as being somebody that is found. He's walking through streets and blind people are finding him. Disciples are finding him. Like all these people are finding him just in their daily life. And then people that are searching for him are finding him. We have the wise men who are searching and searching and searching, and they find him. And then Jesus is very, very valuable. I mean, like I was saying about my dad calling us his treasure, Jesus was God's only son, and so of course he's worth everything. Not to mention that he's the only reason we can live and like, be forgiven and have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. Like, pretty valuable. Um, he's worth it. Like all these people in the New Testament are dropping their nets, dropping their jobs immediately 
Zacchaeus is hopping out of a tree and following him. Like, people are dying for Jesus. Paul says in Philippians that he counts everything rubbish just to gain Christ. He's obviously worth it. And he can be ours. Not that we can own Jesus, but he can be our life. He can be our Lord, our friend, our God. He can dwell within us. So the kingdom of heaven also shows us Jesus. Now the question is, now that we can identify, I guess, some things on that little map about what the kingdom looks like, what do we do with it? Because it's pretty clear to me that this parable is calling us to action. It's saying that if you want to be a kingdom person, you gotta, you got to sell it all. You've got to be done with these things that you are lording over. Because it's not so much the possessions. It's the things that we are controlling and owning. It's living life with, well, I just want to do it, so I'm going to do it. Or I feel like it, so I'm going to do it. And it's saying no to that, saying no to serving two kingdoms and saying, I'm going to get rid of everything and I'm going to step into his I think some of us have grown up in kind of a tradition of thinking it's okay to steal the treasure out of that field and take it into our own kingdom. Where Jesus can be controlled by us, where we can pull him out when we want him to, when we're lonely, when we need help, we need this quick fix, but, but we're not actually in his kingdom and living in his kingdom as these heirs, taking him out. And some of you have experienced this dropping everything, this selling their stuff and stepping into the kingdom. And some of you have experienced that in parts of your life where parts of your life are very much in the kingdom and other parts aren't, but you're working on it. But some of us haven't because it is hard. I mean, even the example he uses of a pearl, like it's hard to make a pearl. There's all these steps of something getting into the shells, and then, it, I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of things that have to happen. So, of course, it, it is difficult. But he, if we want to be kingdom people, we have to do it. So where are you stopping in this process, and why are you stopping from becoming a kingdom person? Are you scared to even look for it? Like the whole game of hide-and-go-seek. I get kind of nervous whenever I play because I'm scared that I'm just going to look forever and nobody is ever going to be found and then maybe somebody will like, jump out of a closet at me or something. But I, and <laughs> I had like a traumatic hide-and-seek experience when I was in college. We had like a sorority mixer on campus and campus is really big in the University of Washington. And my friend and I were, like, hiding in a tree, and two hours went by, and nobody found us. So we, like, went back, and everyone was eating ice cream, and there's the cute boys there that we didn't get to talk to because we were hiding in the tree. And But, like, th- that, like, I know, it's so traumatic. Um, but that feeling of, like, nobody's finding me. I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm never going to find anything can be scary. But here's the thing, if you are actually seeking Jesus, you probably should trust what his word says 
He says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart and soul, you will find me. So he can be and will be found. Maybe you think you're too dirty. You're too much of a sinner to be part of his kingdom. But that's a lie. I mean, look at that first guy in the parable. He found Jesus in the midst of his dirt. Maybe you don't want to sell your stuff. Maybe you don't even know what the stuff is you're supposed to be selling. A good way to kind of look at what the things you are supposed to be selling are is, I mean, sometimes take a look at your possessions because they will point you to what your priorities are. So for me, if I were, if somebody were to take my clothes and like burn all my clothes, I mean, I'd be upset. But really the part that it shows about me is that, okay, I want people to like think I'm put together and think I'm like this or this. And, and that's the part that I want to control. Not so much the clothes, the possessions itself, but that is what I'm trying to lord over. And maybe for you, you look at your stuff and you have all these things that are about you, how great you are, trophies or I don't know, certificates or whatever. And it's not those things, but maybe it's showing you that, you that life is about you and it's that selfishness that you need to sell. Or, I mean, this came to my mind because a lot of people are going on mission trips soon, but sometimes it's how other people view you. So if you want to write a support letter for the Dominican, and, and maybe your parents are telling you you shouldn't, or maybe you're like, oh, I don't know if I can ask for money, because you're scared people are going to say, really, you think serving in God's kingdom is worth $1,600? <laughs> yes. Like, yes, it is. But you're scared to ask that because you're scared of what they're going to say, what they're going to think about you. Maybe, honestly, you're scared to sell because you don't know what is underneath that. If you get rid of success or getting A's or being cool or being that crazy party girl, and that's gone, who are you? Um, Ecclesiastes, I've been, I've been reading it, and all of it is about kind of this idea of our possessions and all these things are kind of meaningless. Um, in Ecclesiastes 2, I think puts it really well. He says, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. From my heart, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity, a striving after the wind, and there is nothing to be gained under the sun. That sometimes we strive for these things and we want them, but next week we don't really remember it. Two weeks from now we don't at all. But we want it so bad right now. Um, can you put up that verse in Ephesians? Oftentimes, I'm sure in the church you hear about this, this concept, and this is talking about the treasure for sure. Um, it says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and, to be, renewed in the, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. 
So here's that same concept. Get rid of, sell your stuff and come into the kingdom, buy the kingdom. He's saying, put off your old self and put on this new one. Seems scary, but when we actually look at that, he's saying, put off this old self of deceit and corruption. Like, of course I want to get rid of deceit and corruption. Why would I want that? And put on this new self of, of the image of God, this great creator. Okay. When we look at it like the, the people in the parable did, it is a great, a great switch off. But I think a reason we maybe don't do it is because we are convinced that when we get rid of our old self, that we become these like zombies and become unlike ourselves. I get this picture, and it's because I'm scared of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, of me just like sitting in the corner, like watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory over and over and over again, like, like not me. But that's not true at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Jesus wants, he, he wants us to put on our new self because that's what, that's what we are, that's what we were created to be. We were driving to the women's retreat and um, Chelsea made a great point. She was like, the more I get to know Jesus, the more me I become. I was at the doctor yesterday and I mean, I think this is kind of how we view this and and I've had my foot's been hurt for a while. And I went to the doctor and he's like, great news. You can run now. And I was like, okay, I don't really like running. So great news. Um, and I was like, okay, but can I dance? Because I like to dance. And he's like, oh, no, you can't dance. And I'm like, okay, so you're offering me running for dancing. No, no, thanks. Don't worry, I told him I'm still going to dance, so too bad. But... This is, that, this is what we kind of view this to be. Like, I'll give you running for dancing. No, I don't want running for dancing. I want dancing. That's part of who I am. But if Jesus was actually in this situation, or you know what I mean by that, but like, he'd be saying, Kirsten, here, I will trade you your old, hurt, unhealthy body for this new, strong, non-hurting, healthy body. Yes, I will take that. Because when we do sell our things and we do enter his kingdom, we become more of who we are. Maybe, though, for you, you are scared of what it looks like to be a co-heir with Christ. To actually have responsibility in the kingdom. But first of all, remember that you are not king. Jesus is king. You're reigning under him. You're co-heir for a reason. And also we are told that in Jesus are treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so as we become these heirs, we have this wisdom and knowledge of what he would want us to do, how he would want us spreading and ushering in this kingdom. So my question for you tonight is, is with all of, of these things that make it difficult to actually sell everything that we have, get rid of the control of the kingdoms that we are a part of, so that we can be part of the kingdom, that we can be kingdom people, 
heirs of Christ. Will you be part of making his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Pray with me. Lord, um, thanks for giving us this chance to, to know your kingdom and to step into it and be your kingdom people, to have our life revolve and function out of you. Thanks for giving us examples of how to do it, um, knowledge and wisdom on how to enact it. Um, God, I am I'm grateful for your word. pray this in your name. Amen.